Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. <laughs> is that the is that the raw dog? Dog? <laughs> oh, I don't know who that is. That's <laughs> um that's a little little something fresh. A little something fresh for y'all. You didn't do the big uh, yelp. That's what I'm saying, dog. Something fresh. <laughs> this, is already, this, is already, this, is already, this is already a pretty rough opening. <laughs> um, Lucas, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's been a uh, cold, uh, well, it's been a cold rainy day today in LA. I know it was cold for you down in San Diego. Uh, and it was actually quite a nice weekend. Uh, so it's kind of just random cold snap that we had and cold, cold. I mean, like, you know, yeah. 60 degrees. Sorry for <laughs> those of you that aren't like, in Southern California. Any, any Midwestern viewer we have right now is just, or listener rather is just, uh, scoffing at us. Sh- shout, shout out to the Oregon audience. I'm sorry, Matherin, but it's cold <laughs> for me. It's for us. Yeah. Yeah. I had to turn on my space heater today. Are you Can you believe that? that, dude? That Not sounds good. that's 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 where I draw the line. That's uh, the 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 line, Matt. Oh, wait. like the the spec ops the line. Spec ops the line, which is the game. Wait, wait, that's our game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, crazy, cool. Uh, that was a totally intentional segue. That's right, everyone. Today we are talking about the number one third person military shooter, spec ops the line. <laughs> Now, before we dive in to this game, um, I want to give a quick reminder. Hey, have you, uh, Lucas, have you left a review on uh, Apple Podcasts yet? I have. It, really? It I haven't. Really, I don't really do my own podcast. That's fucking weird. <laughs> but um, you you should, listener, you should, if you haven't already, leave your review on Apple iTunes Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe. Wherever you listen to your podcast, um, give us a follow. We really appreciate it. It helps us grow the podcast organically. And if you have any questions... Maybe you want to talk to Lucas or I. Uh, shoot us an email. Thanks for playing pod. Gmail.com. Now back okay. to your regular scheduled program. Thank you, Thank you Matt, for that. <laughs> I would just add the word please. Please. There. Thank yes, you very much, please. everybody. So, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you an intro here. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Please. Matt, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'm also asking our dear audience these same questions. Okay. Now, third person military shooter, 2012. Does that sound fun? Yeah, sounds like a good time. Okay. What if I told you there was a cover system and peeking around corners? <laughs> fun? Is, it, is this Gears of War? Okay. What if I told you there was even going to be some turret parts where you defend your squad while sitting at a turret? Is this tactical? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what if it was you can give your squad commands? Fun? So they can run out and die? Okay. Last one. What if I told you there might even be a sequence where you bomb massive amounts of people from the air, like the classic AC-130 mission, Death from Above. Does that sound oh fun? Oh my god! Okay. So okay, this is all rhetorical because to me, none of that sounds fun. <laughs> and I mean, it sounds fun, but it sounds insanely unoriginal. Um, in fact, I would state this is probably the most surface level unoriginal video game we've played for thanks for playing i think we're about 15 16 episodes in i don't think you would argue matt what say you uh no uh, key word there surface level right mm-hmm. um we can get into this more but at, at first glance and even honestly two and a half three maybe even four hours into most the game, most of the hours into the campaign most of the campaign 99 percent of the campaign <laughs> it is the most surface level um uh, 99 is a lower stating it. A, a no, good it, portion of the campaign, yeah. it is the most surface level, generic shooter, shoot 'em up you could have imagined in, in 2012. That yeah. honestly pales in comparison to say something like Gears of War or um, whatever Call whatever the fuck Duty Whatever Call of Duty was legally out that year. Yeah. Obligated. Um, it, 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 really, it really does pale in comparison. Um, but 
where it lacks in its originality and the gameplay, the setting, um, it makes up for in the way it presents that setting and the way it tell it, the way it spins the traditional uh, military gameplay shooter. But yeah. first, before we dive in to Spec Opsy Line, I'd like to give a brief explanation because I have a feeling a lot of people haven't heard about this game yet. So I want to give um, the people a little idea, a little context of uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Go for it. So six months prior to the game's events, the worst series of sandstorms in recorded history began across Dubai. The city's population, excuse me, the city's politicians and wealthy elite downplayed the situation before evacuating secretly, leaving countless of civilians behind to be engulfed in the surrounding desert. Colonel John Conrad, the decorated but PTSD-troubled commander of the 33rd Army uh, Battalion, is returning home from Afghanistan and volunteers his troops to help with the evacuation of the city. The sandstorm eventually worsens and all communication with the 33rd is lost. With Conrad sending out a final message declaring the evacuation an utter failure. The Delta Squad, basically the the Spartans, the Spartans of this game. <laughs> just, just just three dudes. Just three, three buff three guys. Dudes, three buff guys. Delta Squad consisting of their charismatic buff leader, <laughs> Captain Wagger, Lugo, the linguist, mm-hmm. and Adams. The explosives expert personality, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Captain Walker, Luko, and Adams then make the radio to buy to figure out just what's going on to look for survivors to get them the hell out of there. <laughs> it's so so cliche so far. <laughs> um, twenty twelve, Lucas. This game came out in twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah. What do you get? Break it down for me. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Are you done with your your plot synopsis wrap up, or you want to uh, go into I, I some of the done. deeper part? I want people to play this okay. game, so we're gonna leave it at that. Okay, okay, that. awesome. So, just so you guys know, uh, the audience here, th- this game is on the surface a um, you know a pretty generic third person military shooter. Um, it is not well known for its controls, which I will really, really get at this game for because the controls are pretty shit uh and i will get into that in the gameplay section of this episode um but that's all on the surface right this game does have a cult following i have learned um and experienced of a misleadingly like very deep story that might be one of the coolest military shooter stories if not the coolest story in a military game i've ever experienced um actually really ended up enjoying it this has been the strongest about face from any game I've played at the very beginning to the very end. So usually games I'll really enjoy at the very beginning and then maybe end up not liking them. This game was like the opposite. We're like playing through the campaign. The first like two and a half to three hours are boring as hell. It's not very hard. You're not really utilizing a lot of your toolkit or a lot of movement options. You're not using your command options because you don't need to. Everything's easy and the story is pretty generic. And then the game starts unfolding itself to the point where it's like, holy shit, what is what is happening? <laughs> uh, and it, it just gets better and better. Uh, the the gameplay really opens up. You a lot of the controls get used uh, for the some of the bad aspects of the controls. I ended up getting used to them. That's just me as a gamer. Um, and I actually even wanted to keep playing this game. Like I stayed up late playing it. This game actually kept me up past my bedtime, Matthew, which never happens anymore unless I'm playing a multiplayer game. Um, so it's the first time in a long time that I've really felt that way. Um, and after I finished the campaign, uh, I was really uh, excited to jump into the interpretations of the game, see what others thought about it, what the ending meant, um, what the mid- some of the midway points meant. It's a multi-layered narrative, out of order, um, flashback, flash forward, hallucinations, PTSD, visions of hell, visions of war. It's pretty cool. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty terrifying. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I imagine like, you know, a, a, a 10 year old or 11 year old or 12 year old in that age range picking up this game. Right. Um, when it first comes out in 2012, cause they're probably fresh off call of duty. They're ready for the next, um, pro America, pro capitalism, <laughs> pro, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, American sniper pro gun every, yeah. They're ready for American sniper, the video game. Um, <laughs> No, no hate on American Sniper. 
<laughs> very, very nice story. Oh. Um, they're ready for the next shoot 'em up video game, and then they pick up this game. And I have to think by the end of it, they're they're questioning their life choices. And <laughs> they're they're picking up. Um, they're questioning why they play Call of Duty in the first place. And we we can get into that more, but. I gotta say, Lucas, when I when I first picked up this game, I um I was incredibly disappointed. <laughs> the first <laughs> two hours. So disappointed, in fact, particularly with the controls and how shit shitty it felt and how generic it felt at first. So disappointed that I text you, yo, you you want you wanna do something else? <laughs> God. I, I no 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 cap. No cap. On God. Uh, on God. I text Lucas, say, hey, so we could play this game. Or we could do the Outer Worlds, which is another game I really want to play. I'm like, nah. <laughs> but we, we we started, we committed, we had a, it was it was on the calendar, so we committed to it. But my God, Lucas, this game is clunky as hell. Um, that that's the the best way I can describe how it feels when you when you first play it is just clunky. Uh, what was yeah. your first like you know hour in the game like? Clunky, like I didn't know if it was me. So okay, the the. the did you play with keyboard and and mouse or did you play with I the did. controller? Keyboard okay. So, uh, what was your sensitivity on? Dude, I don't know. Like I I tried changing it. It only reacted to when I would um I have um one of the mouses that like you can manually click it and it changes the sensitivity on the mouse. And that's the only way I could change the sensitivity in game. Yeah. But when I when I would mess with the like <laughs> you know the X or Y axis whatever, the mouse sensitivity in the settings, it was just it, was, it wasn't working. Yeah, they, yeah. They got me. <laughs> the, the, okay, so I played this. I played the Steam version. I'm sure you did too. The yeah. sensitivity is so high that when you set it to one, Ridiculously. it's still too high. It's stupid. Yeah. And I don't understand why. Um, it took forever to adjust. Yeah, and it, yeah, it took me hours to adjust to the to the sensitivity for the controls, and. Like when you're sprinting, sprinting is so trash. Like when you're sprinting, you can't turn yourself really. You can't use, like you're sprinting, you move forward with W, but you can't input A, S, or D when you're sprinting. So like yeah, you, you can't have to just break try and your like sprint. steer with your mouse. Yeah, you have to steer with your mouse when you're sprinting, which is insanity because you don't um, do But for that. some reason when, you know, when you're sprinting, the sensitivity goes down to like zero. You know? Yeah, so it's, you yeah even, then the sensitivity is you're just You're just fucking beelining yeah. it to enemy and, fire. <laughs> and then well, I, I did some half-assed internet research and it appears to be a common issue with the game. And it's like a community fixed issue. Like people released executables that you can download in order to fix the sensitivity issues with this game really? on Steam, wow. which is like a big fat no thank you because I'm not downloading an executable off of a Steam community page. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> like, I'm not jumping into my local files of the game in order to try and fix the sensitivity. Like, this is on the developer. So, I mean, if I'm going to play through, I'm going to play through the video game. I don't know if you have this thought. And this actually is an interesting debate that some of our viewers or listeners might want to write in about. If I have a game bad control issues and there is a community driven effort to fix them through some sort of executable through editing you know dpi mouse stuff uh thick local files on your computer is it even like from an art criticism standpoint is it okay to like download those and use those i mean i'm releasing what the developer made I'm, i mean i'm playing what the developer released so if it has shitty controls it has shitty controls the community fixing mm. it is not the artist's speaking for their work uh so i played through with the way the game was released and intended quote unquote intended to be played by the developer if it was had shitty controls it had shitty controls i don't know chief i don't know that's a big question but i'd love to think about all the games thoughts. that it's almost invited to be modded right i think like skyrim fallout um what have you games like that um super smash brothers melee I'm no no, no <laughs> but i'm not but i'm not going to criticize the modded versions of those games from like a critical game so is, your question is should you evaluate the game after having installed those mods uh is it is it comparable right is it is it correct from like a theory criticism crit standpoint right the answer is no 
I, I agree. I, that's what I would say, right? Yeah. But a lot of people would go like, oh, no, it, you can do whatever you want with the video game. You can change it. You can edit the controls. And like you can remap, you can remap buttons and rebind keys on on the game. Obviously, that's built into the game. But I think remapping's uh, fine. No, no, I know, I know. There's, but check this out. There's, uh, there is an issue I read or I saw on a YouTube video. This just tells you how clunky the controls are. Melee is the same button as vault over cover. Okay. <laughs> And you can't change that. So if you rebind one, you rebind both. So either horrible oversight by the developer or you get that fixed through some sort of input mod or, you know, Steam Workshop thing that you can download, which I think is they made the mistake, the developer. They fucked up in the controls. This game deserves to be judged in that regard. Wait, your vault over and your cover button? Your vault over and your melee are the same button. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's, which was that's left shift accurate. on PC. Yeah. Which yeah, is I trash. Mine a bit, but it was still like binded to the. Yeah, I yeah, know what you're saying. Yeah, it's so stupid. It, it's so stupid. And like you barely use melee anyway. <laughs> well, like, I rebinded left shift to my make it my sprint because that's like what every other shooter for FPS game is. Yeah. Why? Oh my god. Why is sprint the same? But but it's still going to be the same. So button I rebinded to take it cover. to space. I switched it with left shift and space. But it's but still, it still going to bad. be the same. It's still going yeah, to be the that, same, same button to same grab cover. Binded. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're you're not wrong, Chief. I just I got fired up off this because <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that it's an excuse that the community had to fix input problems or gameplay control problems because that's not what we're that's not what we're going to be judging here. We're going to be judging the game as it came out, as it was intended to be released by the artists that made it. Um, so anyway, if you disagree, write in. Great topic right of in. conversation. So let's do a quick recap with where we're at. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> generic third-person shooter video game right terrible first hour and a half two hours trash even some might say some might say clunky uncomfortable made me want to rethink doing the game for this podcast but then the question the question beckons lucas did you ever recover from that did you ever take a sip of your whiskey and said now i'm ready when did it click, Lucas? When did yes, it click? yes. Okay, so here, yeah, this is the cool part um, about about all this. Me saying and criticizing the game controls and gameplay, I could do that all day. Um, but the fact is, this game actually does still shine through, despite all that. Now, how does it do that? Um, for me, and and this is this is the spoiler territory for sure, everybody. So skip ahead. Honestly, just stop listening to the episode right now. <laughs> we're we're going to be spoiling everything. A big part own. of this game and the enjoyment of it is kind of like the third layer. You have to get past the or the second layer. Rather, you have to get past the first two hours, four first three hours. So Lucas and I will be spoiling kind of that surprise, I guess, going forward. So be warned. Yeah. So the game starts off like when you hit start campaign, um, it starts off with a uh, helicopter on rails uh, kind of quick time sequence, I guess. Um, where you're just on a helicopter shooting at a bunch of enemy helicopters in a storm. High octane, high adrenaline. Speed, momentum, it's, it's, violence. <laughs> 2012, baby. It's it's very like it's very like herder like military let's 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 do this it's like could have been kind of opening to any twenty twelve shooter game yeah it's just it's just the generic uh, way to open up your game and then the helicopter crashes that you're in uh, and then all of a sudden cut to black and it says ten hours earlier and you're like okay okay we're in and then it then you go back to the very beginning chronologically of the story where. You are playing as Captain Walker and you got your two guys and you're going to go in and help evacuate the city of Dubai. Um, there's uh, apparently a 33rd Battalion that is kind of taking over the city, may or may not be the villains. Who knows? There's kind of a guy on a radio. It's kind of like Apocalypse Now-esque. It's a little cliche. I'm not really into the story at this point. Good but voice then, acting, though. Great voice acting. Yeah. Um when the game plot finally circles back to that helicopter crash uh, and you see what happens after you actually crash, for me, that's when it clicked. Um, that's when the true in intention of the narrative comes out and you 
Walker, because uh, the game is really, it feels like it's experienced in the third person, but it starts getting revealed that it's kind of taking place inside of Walker's head. Um, and you crash in the helicopter, you wake up, and you get a literal vision of hell. Yeah. Like a fiery tower and like the everything's voice. on fire yeah and, and, dante and the, is standing in the corner clapping like yeah <laughs> legit devils like dead burning bodies it's like the closest thing to a vision of hell looks like lord of the rings-esque like tower sauron stuff and yeah, uh, yeah. the main antagonist who's been kind of talking to you over the radio this whole entire time he's telling you that you're how violent you are and like how you're killing everybody in the city you're not saving anybody this is wrong and then like all of a sudden it all goes away and then you have to start fighting again. And for me, that was huge because then it it was a genre bending moment. It felt like that moment in Undertale, you know, where you're like start questioning your own moral choices for a second. Um, and it was monumental. Um, and it, it, it sort of like made the game feel like, oh, shit, is this what's going on here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? When did it click for you? Yeah, it's like. I think I first started to notice it on the loading screens because um, you start seeing the loading screens of the game kind of it starts off very generic. They have a few on a read like some of the ones in the early game are they're going to be like tips or tips or just like general um, uh, commentary on like what's happening around you. So, for example, here's a very generic one. Uh, the U.S. military has a strict policy against torturing POWs. And here's another one. It's Conrad. He did all of it. <laughs> another one. Walker and Adams have served together for many years. Okay. So it's very, very generic so far, right? Just kind of yeah. giving you a little bit more insight to the game and what's what's cracked. This this is at the beginning during the campaign. And then this isn't this is the kind of things you get in the latter third of the game. This was my favorite one, actually. One of my favorites. Cognitive dissonance. This is an uncomfortable feeling caused by holding two conflicting ideas simultaneously. It's like <laughs> it's pretty badass to throwing that in, right? In a fucking shooter, like what? Here's another one. If Lugo were still alive, he would likely suffer from PTSD. So he's the lucky one. Spoiler: Lugo dies. Spoiler: Lugo dies. <laughs> and I think my all-time favorite, really, just kind of, kind of. Right, right in the face. How many Americans have you killed today? That's a loading screen. Loading That's screen. a loading screen thing. Yeah, it's crazy. For context, there, there's some portions of the game where you're fighting what appears to be like a refugee militia or something like that. Um, but for the largest portion of the game, you're fighting the 33rd Army Battalion, an American led by battalion. led by Colonel Conrad, an American colonel. Bearing in mind that you are Americans yourselves trying to investigate what happened. So seeing those loading screens kind of turn and then getting the little inklings of, um, you know, uh, Walker trying to kind of slowly lose his mind and get all these hallucinations. And then there's one part even before the helicopter crash scene where, where, what is it? They're, they're like walking under like a, like a freeway overpass and they have two people tied up. And oh yeah, a civilian and a, civilian, a soldier. It's a civilian who um, got caught stealing water, mm -hmm. and then it's a military or you know officer of the thirty third or troop or whatever that is being punished for punishing the one that stole the water too hard. And then you're left to kind of decide well, who deserves to die. And then Conrad says, "Well, if you don't shoot anyone, I'm just going to shoot them both." And he. You, you, can't, you know he will, right? Like, that's just how these games go. And then you're left to, like, yeah. make this moral choice. And that's when the game really starts kind of bending more into, like, choices and kind of, like, you know, there being the judge, executioner idea. Um, and it really starts kind of starting to break break genre a little bit, you know, and kind of become something more than that stereotypical Call of Duty shooter that you might play or stereotypical Gears of War. Yeah. And actually, I think yeah. Gears of War is very good, obviously, and I enjoy, you know, the yearly Call of Duty just like anyone else, but... <laughs> This really does stand uniquely on its own with the way it sheds those layers and becomes its own thing. It becomes a moral choice simulator, you know? <laughs> it starts becoming it becomes like, oh. a moral choice simulator and basically just a commentary on how terrible war is and how everyone sucks, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It, Except I thought the that, civilians. Was, that was cool. Except the civilians. There's actually a loading screen, uh, one that you missed that I saw online. 
that I never actually got this loading screen, but I saw it on a YouTube video and it says, uh, the U S army is fervently against the killing of any civilians, but this is, none of this is real. So what do you care? Right. It says that on a loading screen. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Like, I mean, the, the game is clearly talking to you about moral choices or, Kind of, kind of getting getting things a little twisted and kind of breaking the fourth wall a little bit, which here's, I think is here's another really one that awesome. breaks the fourth wall that I love. Go ahead. God, we're we're gonna talk about these loading screens a lot because they're so good. <laughs> yeah. To kill for yourself is murder. To kill for your government is heroic. To kill for entertainment is harmless. <laughs> which is what we're doing, it's just right? Just like talking. To <laughs> yeah, that's I love that one. That one's really really good. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that the game really uh, bends genres a little bit, gets a little trippy, gets psychological. It, I literally thought it was going to be some lame Apocalypse Now ripoff, you know, third person military shooter thing. Right. It's called Spec Ops The Line. I mean, it's like you could have random number generated that name, um, which, you know, didn't didn't probably didn't do the marketing of the game any favors. Um, but you know, when the story really starts coming together, you have to, you're forced to make a few moral choices, whether you want to kill a civilian or not, whether you want to put people out of their misery, all culminating to a very big moment in the story where you actually, uh, are in a combat zone. Like you're tight, you're pinned down with your Delta squad and you use a, fo a white phosphorus bomb on enemy military and civilians. Uh, you didn't much intentionally to, do much it. to the much to the um, disagreement of your squad. They do not want to yeah. use this. Yeah, there is like a dialogue, like kind of a cutscene where your squad's like, "No, no, no, we're not using that bomb." Like you've seen what that does to people. And for those of you that don't know, white phosphorus is a, a chemical weapon uh, used by the military, not just the U.S. military, um, but I think controversially used even in the Middle East by Israel. Um, white phosphorus, you've seen it all before, guys. It's the smoke that rains down from one singular source usually and kind of spreads out like a cone on the people below it. Um, it ignites when it touches air and it burns everything. It burns everything, everything, everything. It'll burn through your clothes. It'll burn through your skin, through your bone. It'll burn through your, like, it'll burn through homes, everything. like ammunition, everything. So it's a very, very, uh, horrible uh, chemical weapon that is that is used in warfare and um it is shown probably in the most clear horrific way um in in a video game i've seen in spec ops the line um you're forced to use it um on the enemies and then you accidentally hit a bunch of civilians with it and then after and this is big i mentioned the ac-130 mission from call of duty it's called death from above everybody in our generation of gamers has played that mission. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4, okay, the 2007 classic, okay? There's the Absolute mission classic. in the campaign where you're in an AC-130 and you just bomb the hell out of everyone, okay? They're just black and white dots on a screen and you just blow them up. In Spec Ops The Line, you use a phosphorus bomb on civilians and soldiers alike, and then you walk through the devastation that you, you walk caused. through the carnage. You actually walk through it, and there's some people that are still even alive, just burning to death. And you even have the commands to execute them if you want to, or you can just shoot them and they'll just die. Are those civilians? Where'd they come from? There's no camp here. They took them from the nest. That hotel back at the Stormwall? No, no, no. No, those can't be the civvies that got kidnapped. It's not possible. Yeah, it is. That's why Gould stormed this place. He didn't want the game. He was trying to rescue his people. This is your fault, goddammit! Stop right there, Hugo. But it is! You wouldn't listen! a choice! He turned us into fucking killers! Um, and uh, then you, I put them out of their misery. Did you? Yeah, I did so too. Bad. I did yeah. too. It was horrible. Uh, and I genuinely felt bad cause it was like, oh my God, I was just watching this all happen from a camera above and just bombing them like in any video game. It even looks like death from above from modern warfare. It's a and little bit of a cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance. Yeah. yeah. And then you come upon, um, a bunch of burned civilian bodies, the civilians that you accidentally set on fire. And there's probably like, you know, 200 of them and you see a burned, 
parent holding their burned child. Terribly deformed. Horrible. Yeah, and like completely um, deformed and burned. And, and it's really it's a really horrific scene that you see. And that's like one moment of the game that's like, holy shit. And that's the largest turning point too. That's when the whole squad really starts to fall apart. Yeah. It's very clear at that point that Walker, Lugo and Adams are no longer buddies. They're just soldiers doing a mission. And yeah. And well, he's also like, man, we should not have like one of them clearly says we should not have used that bomb. Like we should not have done what we just did. Did you, do you see that? Like these are civilians and the other person's like, we had no choice. We had no choice. And meanwhile, Walker, the main character is just like losing his mind. You can tell and like trying to make sense of the choice he made, the call he made. And then he just goes, this is Conrad's fault. We have to keep moving. Right. And everything is Conrad's fault. Everything's Conrad's fault. Everything's Conrad's fault. There's this like point in the narrative where your main character, the guy you're playing as, is making justifications for the choices and the calls he's making uh, by blaming him on somebody else, Conrad. Um, And I don't know. It's just... An insane uh, moment. Uh, Probably will stick with me for a very long time. And especially in today's modern world, you know, where, you know, there are horrible things like white phosphorus bombs that that hit civilians and and burn them alive. Um, And, you know, that's obviously a deeper conversation than this podcast episode can get into. But I think it's great that a video game in 2012 was exploring these ideas of at least bringing forth, hey, like civilians get burned too. And sometimes it's just a guy making a call that's disagreeable and he's justifying it. Right. You know? Saying um, we had no choice when there was a choice, right? Yeah, so, you know, yeah. We were following orders. Oh, they made us do it, you know, transferring blame. And I just think it's so powerful in 2012 too because, I don't know, I mean, I think today like the mentality towards war is a little different, obviously. Or, I mean, that's the right way to face as you and I are both older than we were in 2012, I think we're able to see the broader picture better. Mm-hmm. Whereas at least I know for myself, you know, when I was like playing Modern Warfare 2 and I was like 11 or whatever. Right. You know, I, mean, I, I was probably very pro American pro uh, just being honest. Right. Like, cause I, I don't know any better at that point. Right. right. In my life. You just um, assume that we're fighting the bad guy. I'm just assume we're the good guy, no matter what America is yeah. the good guy and everyone else is the bad guy. Cause that's just what, you know, I mean, fucking grew up in Republican Orange County. That's what was drilled into me, right? <laughs> um, and so, and then I, 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 I like the idea to think that there was some kid that age um, that played this game that had that same mindset. Um, some, you know, eleven or ten year old, what have you, that played this game and kind of had their world world view shift a little bit, kind of, you know, broke broke free of the mold and kind of, for lack of a better word, just kind of thought for themselves a little bit more and really looked at things rather objectively of what was happening around the world and kind yeah. of the, the quote war on terror, whether we should have been really wherever we were or not. And kind of looked, you know, to look at the broader picture and see how everyone else is affected and how maybe yeah. just cause we say we're the good guys. I mean, who's pulling the trigger at the end of the day, right? It's yeah. Like yeah. That. Who's killing civilians, um, right? Like who's burning people alive. Um, yeah, so randomly. I think yeah. this game it's, is really important for that reason. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's the, probably the only military shooter game that actually called into question actions that you take in the game, in the actual game design. So directly. No, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's cool too, because I like that. It's not, the, the, this is obviously all narrative driven, right? So we talk about how bad the game, the game feels when you play it, but there are specific points in the game design where you as a player are given choices that you have to interact with the game in order to make, which are, you know, objects of game design. Yeah. Um, there's a moment, for instance, where you're surrounded by civilians that are like angry at you and you're forced to basically shoot them. What did you, what did you do during that choice, Matt? I tried, I was thinking, all right, there must be a way out of this, right? Yeah. Um, so like I, a few times I, I kept trying to like just run through them, right? Or like just, you know, walk through them and I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, fuck. Um, so I pulled the trigger. <laughs> okay, okay, hang on. I, okay, I almost shot some civilians. Was there a way out of it? Shoot at the ground. Oh my. Dude, come on. <laughs> Have you never shoot in the air, shoot at the ground, and they all just run? Oh my God. Yeah, I know. I, I'm glad I figured that out. There's actually an achievement for it too called like hold the line of peace or something. And... um I think the achievement I got was there's no turning back. <laughs> so I didn't I, even I, think about that. I'm like, I tried to walk through them. I don't know what else to do. 
I was yeah. literally like, as that moment was approaching, I was like, oh crap, I gotta, I gotta like, I might have to kill these civilians. And then I was like, oh wait, I just shoot up in the air. Like, what, what would you do in real life? Just shoot, right? shoot your yeah. gun in the air and they would all disperse. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's so true. Cause I mean, you're playing a video game. The first thing you think is, well, I guess I just, I don't have a, that's what I thought was like, well, I guess this is the narrative. I don't have a choice. That was my inkling. Yeah. So I just did it. Um, yeah, crazy. And that, that's but, a pretty but crazy you still moment, felt, too. You still felt like, felt like uh, shit. Yeah, you still felt bad. I was bad. so upset because yeah. my thought was I could just walk through them and be like shamed like Game of Thrones style. Yeah. That's what I thought would happen. But then I'm like, when I realized I can't do that, I just assumed arrogantly and yeah. ignorantly that my only option was to fire through them, which is the, upsetting. The fact that the game puts you in the headspace where you actually end up do feeling bad for something like that is pretty insane. Because like, okay, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, no Russian. Right. Like the mission where you go yeah. into the airport and you just murder everybody at the airport as a terrorist. Right. That mission, you don't like I don't remember getting made to feel bad about that mission. You kind of just do it. And it's not right. horrific, but you just do it. And um, the, the the people don't like really they don't suffer in the same way that they suffer in in Spec Ops the line. Like sometimes you shoot somebody in the leg and then they crawl around for a little while. You know, yeah. sometimes you like. Uh, somebody catches fire and they like they they, they react they in a way. Yeah, they suffer. You see people suffer. Right? Where you tag somebody in the toe in, in in a Call of Duty game or in No Russian, and those people just kind of fall over and die. Um, so the consequences of your action are really felt in uh, in Spec Ops line, and I, I really admire the the developers for that. I mean, yeah, it totally breaks the genre of anything else you would have played. I mean, and it's so violent on both sides of it too. I mean. Let's, I mean, and I'm not trying to justify anyone's actions at this point because I don't think anyone's actions in this game are justifiable. But, like, let's not forget moments before you, you know, are faced with the choice to either try and get creative like you did and find a way to not shoot the crowd. Like, you just walk up on your friend that you've been through this crazy journey with. He's lynched. Yeah. Right? And you hear his cries, his screams for help on your way over there when you're trying to get there in time to save him, screaming, no, stay away from me, stay, you know, things like that. And it's just like, yeah. ah, what a game. Yeah. <laughs> what a game. <laughs> really great. But and you know what's crazy? So I, I know we can jump into like art style and sound design, which is what we normally do on, on these episodes. But I mean, I, I personally don't really have much to say about art style or sound design. I just love to go through narrative design and these these finer points of storytelling. I mean, do you have anything for art design? I mean, as far as how the game looks, it's like, I mean, for 2012, to be fair, it looks decent. I oddly thought, and I don't know if maybe this was just my machine, but I oddly thought that the cutscenes looked worse than the gameplay. Yeah, they did, it. right? I don't know what yeah. that was. It was like, it, it was like they put on like six layers of film grain or something. Yeah, I know. Um, and that was kind of weird to me. I don't know why that was. Um I mean, the, I thought the set design was good. Like, you know, I mean, again, it's Unreal Engine, whatever. It's I think it's Unreal Engine. It is Unreal, yeah. yeah so it's you kind of know what you're getting in 2012 with Unreal Engine. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, it's that's... Fine. It's yeah, fine. I, I have zero... If something's just Unreal Engine and isn't, like, severely altering the style of the game or the look, I just... It just doesn't really feel like much to me. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's I fine. categorize the art style as but just the set, I like the set design, like the way they used it. Or think yeah, certain good. there was some like really ambient, um, you know, borderline beautiful set designs, I think. Um, like when you're in the aquarium, when you go into a specific museum, stuff gets pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in, in certain towers that you end up going into, it, it gets pretty cool there. Um, sound design, not not really much. Oh, I do want to comment on the art, though. One more thing. Oh, go for it. I did like in the sprinkled throughout the game. There's like a bunch of murals with people's faces, and it's just like everything, like their mouths, their eyes, everything's just like blacked out. Yeah. Um, the the very murals jarring. and stuff. Yeah. yeah the, it really the murals sets the and very well. Yeah. There's like propaganda, paranoia, graffiti on the walls throughout the city. That's stuff pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then the loading screen art. Uh, I guess I'll go back and compliment that heavily. It changes as yeah. the game goes on too. Yeah, it gets darker. Yeah, yeah, it gets like darker. It gets kind of like um, some of it just looks like some heavy metal album stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's a, I think that's good for art style. Sound design, pretty standard military shooter sound design. Just a lot of yelling, guns yeah. blazing, uh, nades blowing up, uh, helicopter sounds, and stuff like that. So, do you have anything for sound design? It's fine. <laughs> voice acting, I like the. I thought the voice acting was good. 
Walker's voice acting is very good. Walker's voice acting is good. Is John Conrad the greatest man I ever served with? Well, I don't know. There was this one time in Kabul when he dragged my bleeding carcass half a mile to an evac chopper. So maybe I'm biased. But the facts don't lie. The man's a fucking hero. Um, I liked all their, the trio's voice acting, actually. I thought it was all very... I, I felt like you could really hear the emotion, you know? And, like, when, when Lugo's getting... I mean, you don't get to see this, but you know he's getting surrounded by a mob... Um, strung up, you can you can hear the fear, right? Yeah. Um, he's terrified. Um, when you know, when uh, Walker is trying to justify what they're, they've done, you can hear kind of like the the maybe the break, but then the raw conviction that like there, there's no way we can be wrong, right? Um, and then you have just Adams like fuck y'all, like this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and I loved the. I really did like the radio guy's voice acting. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. It was a little. I I I just couldn't buy the radio guy because I just felt like it just felt kind of lame. It just, I I just felt like very like generic or that's fair. Like stolen, you know. So it was hard to really grab anything that the radio guy was saying. That's fair. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on to the NPC award, Matt. Uh, who do you got for your favorite NPC? The radio guy. <laughs> I'll tell you why, Lucas. <laughs> All right, give me the give me the case for. Regular. It's not even for like his main role in the game. It's for how he goes out. <laughs> for context, you finally reach the radio. I think I don't even think he gets a name. You finally, radio, reach his radio. name is Radio Man. It was Radiohead, yeah, and no Radio Man, Radio Man, Radiohead, Radiohead's a band. He's basically just, if I remember correctly, from the context of the game. He's like this journalist that got caught up with everything, and just obviously he stuck with them there in Dubai. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and he's just stuck there, and he's like, "Oh, I'll be the radio guy, I guess." And then by the time you finally get up to him, he's just like, "He doesn't give a shit." He's just like, "Yeah, he's like, turn the radio on, man. Have have fun. It's your turn, I guess." <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and Lugo's just like, "All right, fuck this." Just instantly just kills him. Kills him. Um, yeah. But I, uh, I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed his kind of brevity in a very dark game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I dig it. Um, my NPC award is going to go to I Conrad, right? Conrad. I mean, it's it's the the reveal of of what he is. So just to circle back to the full storyline, everybody is you know the whole conceit is that you are trying to find the you know rogue colonel of the American thirty third battalion, uh, Colonel Conrad. Right? He's sitting in this particular tower. He's the one talking to you the entire time, egging you on. Uh, and you're trying to find him and you're blaming him for all of your actions, right? Well, when you get there, you find out that he's actually been dead the entire time. Um, and it's revealed that the communicator that you've been talking to Conrad through doesn't even have a battery in it. It's actually broken. No. So your Conrad basically existed inside of Walker's head the entire time as a way to get him to justify his actions for what he has done. Coping mechanism. Um, it's as a coping mechanism. Yeah. And um, the game kind of it's cool because it's not like a huge twist because it's kind of leading up to it where it's just like, what the hell's going on? That's weird. Well, That's once weird. you can realize Walker's starting to hallucinate, you know, like, OK, there's something not right here. Yeah, overall. exactly. And and there's even like a there's theories online that say like the whole game is actually one giant flashback. Uh, Walker's been dead and he's just in hell coping with his his decisions that he's made, um, which is why when you finally get back to the helicopter level from the very beginning of the game, when you finally reach that level in chronological order, uh, Walker says, wait, we, we, we've yeah. been here before. Yeah, we've done this already. I thought that part was so interesting, too, because that's never really expanded on. Right. Well, I think it's sort of to give you a little nugget to make you feel like he's reliving this in his own head. Okay. In a sense, because the game is taking place inside of his head, large, like a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. So my take on that is that uh, Walker di died at some point or dies at some point, and he is replaying uh, the events that happened in his head. But when he replays it this time around, Colonel Conrad is the problem. Guy, Colonel Conrad is the guy that is the reason he's going through this whole thing. Um, and when he finally okay. gets to the point in his head where he's doing the helicopter thing, he's already done he's that. He's trying before. to give himself a redemption arc. Yeah, he's trying to give himself a redemption arc. Yeah, yeah. but it ends up falling apart. Exactly. Exactly. He's trying to give himself a redemption arc. And then um, he ends up, 
you know, you're given a choice at the end where you either after you find quote unquote find Conrad, who's really just dead, you find out he's in your own head. Um, it's revealed to you, and then you get the choice to either kind of kill him or shoot yourself, kill yourself. Um, and then there's either way, there's an epilogue that kind of plays out. And I think it's it's really um, I, I'm, I'm talking about my NPC award. So I mean, it has to be Conrad because he's the one that reveals everything to you. But really, Conrad is you uh, in your own head. So. I'd like to make a correction with some phrasing I used for an NPC award. I said brevity for Radio Man. I meant levity. What's brevity mean? Like shortness, I think. Like short, oh. like the brevity of something. Like and what's levity? Like, like humor. That's oh, what okay. That's what I tried to communicate. Okay, thank yeah. you. We really we didn't understand what you meant. It was really upsetting. We were, that's why we, were really, we were really wondering what you meant. Yeah. We were like, yeah. did Matt say brevity? Levity? Brevity. Um, yeah. What uh, what ending did you choose? I killed Conrad in my. I killed own head. myself. You did? Okay. What, I was what, like, bro, I just shot civilian. Like, I was still hang. I was still hung up on Lugo. I was still hung up on what I did to the civvies. I was like, I gotta be. I gotta go, bro. I, 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 thought, <laughs> I thought like, oh, I'll just choose to live in the reality that I've created in my own head. Let's just do that. Yeah. Did you get an epilogue? Not with that one, but I went back and I played the epilogue. Oh, okay. Okay. So the epilogue is just if you let yourself live. You essentially sit in that city waiting there to get picked up. The U.S. Army comes and picks you up to like kind of rescue you. And you have the option of killing the squad that comes to rescue you. Um, and if you don't kill them, which is what I did, gave myself up, put my weapon down. And then the soldier goes, or the private who's driving you just says, Captain, it's a miracle that anybody even survived. How'd you survive? And he says, who says I did? Who says I did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. it if you um if you choose to take out the squad that's coming to help you, you know, and it's just Walker left, and he just picks up the radio that the army's trying to call in, and he just says, "Gentlemen, welcome to Dubai." Right, <laughs> the same lines that and he enters with. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, imagine. it's just his it's his own descent into madness, really, uh, throughout yeah. the whole thing, which uh, it's pretty pretty awesome. So, yeah, man. All right, moving on. Uh, companion piece pick matthew for those of you that are just listening for the first time the companion piece pick is where we take a piece of media non-video game media and we pick it as sort of a, a companion piece to what we've been playing um and uh me and matt each pick one we describe it talk about it hopefully as a way of getting people to explore things that aren't video games matthew what do you got i have the 1927 book and the 1930s movie all quiet on the Western front. Wow. You're you're you've expanded my I, I have a higher idea of you than I had not two minutes ago. <laughs> I um I remember I haven't read the book to be honest, but I have watched the 1930s movie. Um I just wanted to cite the book as original source material, but I remember um my oh, fuck was it sophomore year of high school, my history teacher, Mr. Buchan, shout out to Mr. Buchan, um Quite a character, um, very involved in, in history and big fan of it. And then we finally get to like, you know, the World War section, like covering World War One, World War Two, that history, all that stuff. And it's like, now everything's often glorified. So I want you guys to have some context. I want you to understand what war it really is and what it's like. And for anyone unfamiliar, um, All Quiet on the Western Front is a... It's a story about um, German soldiers in World War One, basically being totally, you know, um, nationalized and tell this propaganda to be gung ho soldiers that are stoked to go off on their, you know, stoked to go to war and stoked to go to the front lines when they're they're treating it like their Boy Scouts are going on a camping trip or something, right? Like a big adventure. This is our great adventure. And then, obviously, I think you can kind of guess where it goes. It kind of gets into the <laughs> horrors of war, you know, yeah. the terrors of being in the trenches while you're being bombarded with shells and artillery and being forced to charge at the enemy line in no man's land. And it really is just a commentary on kind of the horrors of war, really. And it was written um, by a veteran of World War One from the German side. Oh, um, I did not know that. Yeah, so pre yeah, pre pre Hitler, World War One not or not World War One World, World War One Germany. Um and yeah, it's very fascinating, especially because coming from I mean, just especially coming out back then when Ash, you know, um 
not, not, not nationality. What's the word I'm looking for? Nationalism is such a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of like blind pride for one's country. I think it's so interesting that a wake up book kind of comes out for that, especially from the, from a German, um, citizen, you know, leading up to world war two, you know, I'm, I, I haven't looked into this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he wasn't a big Hitler fan, you know? Um, yeah. I would, I would not be surprised at all. And very, even the 1930s movie is great. Uh, I think they made a 79 remake as well that I heard was pretty good from what I saw online. So I definitely recommend you, uh, you check it out. And um, I think it's worth, worth watching. That's, that's a great companion piece pick. Actually. I'm glad you, I'm glad you went for something like that because you know, just the ideas of, of nationalism and, um, you know, being a patriot for your country and over glorifying what it really means to do so. Um, like it's, I mean, there was a point where that that's just what war was, right. was mm-hmm. just like men in charge people. Well, yeah, men, cause there's always men, right. Men in charge telling men that are citizens that it's all going to be glorious if you love your country and you die for yep. it, you know? Um, and then you go to war and you're just getting dysentery in a trench um, these are kids, right? These are like die. Fresh yeah, these are boys. Yeah, like, these are boys. Everyone makes the idea of like when you're 18, you're an adult, right? But no, 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 like, no. When you're 18, you're hardly any different than when you were 17, right? Like th- yeah. that number means nothing as far as like what your capacity to handle things as a human is, right? And your ability to process and handle things. And I can't even imagine, I mean, at that age being thrown into a, a fucking war, right? Yeah. Where you're asked to charge in front of enemy bullets, where you're forced to sit in trenches, trenches, hoping that the shell lands in the in the trench next to you, not yours, right? It's just crazy. All for, it's a different all, world. for all for the pride of your country that you've been sort of more or less brainwashed into into having. Right? And so, in a war that probably shouldn't even be fought. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, should any war really yeah. be fought? Right? Yeah. Probably not. Definitely not phosphor white phosphorus bombs. Please never. Um, let's not use those. For those of you that are curious, just do a quick Google search on it and you'll know what I'm talking about and yeah. you will be fervently against uh, that that weapon of war. Okay, um, just moving on to something that's very different from what you said. Um, <laughs> my companion piece pick. Um, now, it's very, it's very different. It's probably way out of left field. Um, it is the 2014 noise rock album, To Be Kind. By Swans. Uh, a lot of people know this album because it's actually really been memed to holy hell uh, due to its popularity with Anthony Fantano fans. Um, he loves this album, and uh, myself included. I'm part of that that wave of fans of this album, and um, I think it has very similar vibes to this game. Uh, there is some rock music that kind of is peppered in throughout the game during certain levels, um, borderline like rock metal. Um, that's pretty accessible to people. This album, for those of you that want to dive into something that's like a little cinematic and dark and has multi-layer is multi-layered, um, kind of like this game. Check out this album, "To Be Kind" uh, by Swans. That's all I got. I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, it's good. It's a long you, one too. If you give it a listen, write in. Let us know what you think. Yeah, thanks for playing pod yeah. gmail.com. All right. All right. So um, I'm just going to move on. Um, I think we've nitpicked the game enough. That's usually a section that we do, but we kind of nitpicked all through the very beginning of the pod. Uh, Favorite moment. uh, You got anything for that? Or I think I might have said mine already. Uh, Loading screens for me. (laughs) Yeah. um, The Dark Tower hell scene that I mentioned earlier is mine. Yeah. I think it's so genius to break the game. Not break the game, but like break the traditional narrative on the loading screens, too, because like normally you won't pay too much attention to that. Um, and then it's like, you know, you'll probably be on your phone real quick checking and then like glance up. You're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. So, so good. So, you good. know, it's going to be sad attention from there on. You know, it's going to be sad is there is a future where this game uh, is going to be played maybe 10 years from now on computers that are so strong. The loading screens are going to pass them. Right. By. Yeah. So yeah. there will be there'll be times where like that happens with Skyrim. Like you don't even need to see Skyrim loading screens anymore if you're playing on like a powerful enough PC. So like how much work went into loading screen tips or world building that is no longer going to be seen by players. That is kind of sad, yeah. That's what's going to happen to this game, which is a very, very sad uh, reality behind video games. Sad. I think it's a very important part of the game, to be honest. If you care about it, if you're a developer that like is trying to wholeheartedly like take control of the game and, and do some cool stuff with your loading screen, just know that in... 15, 20 years, that loading screen will literally not be necessary anymore because <laughs> yeah. there will be no load times on your video game. Um, probably even sooner than 10 years, um, honestly. But I mean, shit, if you have an SSD, it's pretty fast right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, all right. Uh, time for uh, final conclusive thoughts on the game uh, and the rating time. For those of you that uh, it's your first time listening, uh, first off, leave a review, follow, subscribe. Thanks for listening to Thanks for Playing. Uh, this is the point in the podcast episode where we give each of our individual ratings out of 10, add up those ratings, and then rate the game out of 20. That becomes the true score for this video game, usurping all possible scores anywhere, including Metacritic, IGN, GameSpot, and Yahoo Games. None of that? <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's a real uh, journalism. <laughs> I don't know if that's real journalism. <laughs> Yahoo <laughs> Games, maybe? Um, all right, Matt. So final conclusive thoughts, man. What do you got? Um, overall, I liked it. Um, very unique game. Um, takes a while to get to that point where you're you know, really enjoying it, but worth the journey. And I hope this game wakes up some 12 year olds. Okay. <laughs> That's, uh, all right. Um, my final thoughts, uh, really impressed with how this game was able to do an about face for me and turn me into somebody that was very skeptical at the beginning to someone that actually thoroughly ended up enjoying it. And, um, you know, was eager to dive into analyses and history on the developer and the making of the game. So well done, Jaeger, for creating a, a game like this. Jaeger, hey, Attack on Titan, Jaeger, developer. Aaron Jaeger did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, Attack on, all day. <laughs> the Attack on Titan oh, announcement, Attack on Titan uh, manga finale is around the corner. So me and Matt are super stoked about that before we uh, do our full episode on that, which we might end up inadvertently doing. Kind you of ironic. I just say Aaron Jaeger does nothing wrong after this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Attack on Titan um, being a huge moral quandary. Let's talk about it. Email me. I'd love to talk some anime with y'all. Um, and we're, get, we're into that we're opinion. Well, you could tell them where to email them on the on the outro here. No, no. Yeah, first of all, let's let's round it out. All right, we're gonna give our ratings out of ten. Okay, three, two, one, eight. eight. Oh. All right, all right. That puts this game in the Hinata zone. Um, <laughs> that doesn't feel like it's that good of a zone. Why is the Hinata zone above the Rock Lee zone? Because I'm a fucking Hinata simp. <laughs> the Rock Lee zone should definitely be higher. Well. Rock Lee didn't really do anything in in Shippuden, actually. So it's what well, I don't actually I don't have it on my prompt. It's rock. What's remind me the levels again? Okay, so we have the Sakura zone, which is mm -hmm. zero through nine. Uh, ten through twelve is the ten ten zone. Then I almost 13. think we should we should switch Sakura and ten ten. I think no no Sakura. That's the joke. She has okay. to be the lowest zone. Okay. Uh, Thirteen and fourteen. That's the Rock Lee zone. Fifteen through sixteen is the Hinata zone. Seventeen and eighteen is the Kakashi Guy zone. They're in the same zone. Uh, 19 is the Naruto Sasuke Achievement Award. And a 20, which is both of us giving it a perfect score, is the Mickey Legrand Coates Award. Award. The Mickey Legrand Coates Award for Excellence in Video Game Design. <laughs> Go for the. <laughs> I get so happy every time I hear that. I know, me too. <laughs> me too. So, uh, anyway, this game is in the Hinata zone. Not a bad zone on the power ranking for Naruto characters. Uh, for those of you uh, that disagree with the placement of the zone, please email us. Matt, where can they find us online? Rafter A. Chewing ice. He's been chewing ice the whole time, everybody. Just so you know that that's what that sound has been. I doubt they can hear that. Have you heard that? I've been hearing it the whole time. For yeah. real? Yeah. Say something next time, you king. I don't want the audience to hear that. Anyways, uh, um, you can find us online at uh, thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. Shoot us an email there. Um, you can find us on social media. Instagram, Twitter, TFP Podcast, TFP Podcast with an S at the end. <laughs> TikTok. Saying it like this. Keep going. Sorry, keep going. Keep going. TikTok. Thanks for playing Pod. And can hang out with your old buddy Matt. Talk to me about Attack on Titan. I got juicy memes I'll retweet once in a while. It's about the it's about all my Twitter is. Um uh good idea, Matthew. And it's pretty much the only place I'm active on social media. Lucas, where can we find you? Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at good idea Lucas. <laughs> All the integrated. same. I'm so all jealous. Good idea. <laughs> Matt's taken everywhere and I really want it. I'm all the same. Uh, it, email us at our, at our podcast email address. We'd be happy to hear from you. Um, of course, respond. You can tell for those of you that have been listening for a while, we're, we're plugging this more. You want to know why? Trying to get well, more people to talk to us. I want to hear from you. Yeah. It's just me and Lucas. It's just us talking echo in chamber. <laughs> That's right. We're in an echo chamber over here. Um, great. 
hey, this has been great. Matt, what do we always say? Well, everyone, this has been Thanks for Playing. Catch you next time. Skip it up! Thanks for Playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch Red Circle. 